Ulterior. So it is almost the middle of April, and up until this point, there had not been an episode of this show for the entirety of April thus far. And there are different reasons why that was the case. Some I don't really feel like getting into, but I think my overall point is that sometimes I just need to give myself space and not put so much pressure on myself to be a perfectionist or or be somebody who, you know, puts so much pressure on himself to pursue this endeavor. And I'm doing it out of like genuine passion and love for this music scene. I've always tried to explain that to you guys. I owe this scene so much. But once in a while, I really do need to take a step back and tell myself that just because I might not have the energy to do something at some point, that doesn't mean that I am not giving my all to this podcast because I've always done that. It's been two years now that I've been recording and I've always given my everything to this. And I will continue to do so, not just for my own personal satisfaction, but because I feel like that is what all of the bands and artists that I've ever talked about deserve. All that being said, because I have missed a few weeks, this will be a catch-up type of episode, and it's going to be formatted very differently than how I normally do things. So I'm only taking four singles from the last two weeks to really talk about, and then after that, I'm going to separate the EPs from the albums and do those in two separate sections, because combined, there are 15 of them, and to talk about all 15 in the manner that I normally do for releases, I would burn myself out. So this is for my own sake. I hope you guys can understand that. So all that being said, here is exactly what is being talked about today. The singles come from Current, Paris, Holding Absence, and Dying Wish. The EPs are Attack Attack, Resilia, Defamed, Compunction, Savage Hands, Skylar Accord, and the collaboration with Lyra's Murder, Fiverr, and Autopsy, and Malevolence. The albums are Dead Lakes, Bury Tomorrow, Archetypes Collide, The Ongoing Concept, Covet, Astrail, understand, and nothing nowhere. I'm going to go ahead and play the intro now, then after that we'll get started. So thank you guys so much, thank you for tapping in, and hope you all enjoy this episode. So evidently to anybody who's heard this show before, the way that I normally do episodes is I will mention something like a single or a record, and then I'll play a clip from the song or said record, and then I'll talk about what I need to talk about. Because I'm trying to speed up the process a little bit for this episode to get through everything that I need to get through in a timely manner, I'm going to dub the audio for the song or EP or album behind my voice so both will be playing simultaneously i don't foresee this being a permanent change but in the event that anybody hearing this believes that this works better than how i normally do things please 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 let me know and it will be something that i can take into consideration and i'm also going to include like a a tv static type of sound to break up the segments uh it's going to sound like this So the first single up is So Alone by Currents. This is off of The Death We Seek, which releases May 5th. I believe Currents are putting out 
the best material of their career so far and the idea of them having to follow up a song like remember me which i think is one of the best metalcore songs of not just this year but the decade altogether so far that task sounded so fucking daunting yet current have the talent and the musicianship that made it so easy for them to deliver so alone in a way that makes it in my opinion just as remarkable as remember me the song is heavy and fast-paced when it needs to be it can find that balance between those elements and the emotional range that i know currents are capable of wielding very very well the chorus is as monstrous as any chorus that this band's ever put out and with every single that comes out for the death we seek and then even going back through the entire current discography my excitement level for this album only seems to grow and not just the album but also the fact that i will be seeing them at the end of may and when a song like so alone hits and specifically the breakdown i do not know the kind of person i'm going to turn into good enemy by paris so this is off of the new paris album called evergreen it releases july 14th and something that i feel like should be emphasized about paris is just how good i think they are at evolving their sound because there was a clear distinction between what evergreen is shaping up to be and then where they were on records like white noise and all we know of heaven yet no matter the project or the release everything sounds so inherently paris like they do not lose any bit of their identity no matter what it is they're doing i really enjoy the production on good enemy and honestly it's kind of weird to say this i guess but like it gives me like a like a crash bandicoot type of vibe the way that the instrumentation is laid out it just kind of has that like sound that i could imagine being in the game and it, it's just in my opinion an overall excellent song and evergreen is going to be something special i i really do feel that i i think paris are in a spot right now where the chances that they're taking have the uh, what i see as a likelihood to pay off in a really big way for them a crooked melody by holding absence this was the number one ranked song for scenic overlook this week that the episode is releasing and i feel like holding absence is the kind of band where when I initially heard of them years ago, uh, and like the uh, the level of excitement from people about self-titled, like I understood it, but at the same time, I don't feel like I did because even to this day, I don't think self-titled is as good as people would say that it is. That's just my opinion. But everything from the release of Gravity and Birdcage as singles onward, and then into the greatest mistake of my life and then the split ep with uh alpha wolf last year they don't miss they're incapable of missing there is no bit of like flatlining in any endeavor by holding absence everything that they do is fucking excellent and a crooked melody is no different i can hear like some extra hints of post hardcore with this song in comparison to what they did on the greatest mistake of my life and it's like they're making that push into that direction and i don't know exactly when that push will um like be at a full service level but even just having like that hint of it in a crooked melody to me this is already one of the best songs holding absence ever released and to me that says something considering how deep the discography runs for them a crooked melody is catchy and gripping and just like pulls on your heartstrings while putting them back together and it's like this 
weirdly, beautifully malevolent type of a sound going for Holding Absence, and there is no bit of the song that made me believe Holding Absence cannot be that fucking band this year, next year, and any year onward that they choose to. The last of the singles is Torn From Your Silhouette by Dying Wish. I fucking adore this band to the edge of the earth. Um, I remember gassing up Fragments of a Bit of Memory pretty heavily, and still to this day, it is, I think, one of the best albums that kind of uh, uses that amalgamation of hardcore and metalcore. Yet, with Torn From Your Silhouette, it definitely has those traits of Dying Wish, with also, like, 2000s post-hardcore mixed in in a really big way. I think Emma is an outstanding clean vocalist, and getting this kind of a track from her, and the rest of Dying Wish for that matter, it made it to where whatever is going to come from Torn From Your Silhouette, whether it be like an EP or an album or something, it already has an identity that is very distinct from Fragments, and I think that is going to bode very well in terms of allowing Dying Wish to craft a really deep and excellent discography. So those were the singles. Um, I normally run through the remainder of the singles that were reviewed, but um, for the sake of time, I won't be doing that right now. So um, if you would like to, please go check out Ulterior's Instagram and Twitter accounts to see exactly which singles over the last two weeks were reviewed. So now moving on to the EPs for the last two weeks. The first one up is Dark Waves by Attack Attack. The most recent thing prior to this EP that Attack Attack had to their names in their current incarnation was the EP from 2021 Long Time No See. And I didn't really have many good things to say about it from what I can remember. And something that I want you guys to understand is that Attack Attack was a massive band for me in my adolescent years. Because my upbringing in the scene, it coincided with the whole, like, crab core shit. And whether it was Attack Attack or Asking Alexandria or um, His Statue Falls, no matter who it was that was using that kind of a sound, I was there for it. I was a fucking merchant for crab core. And even to this day, I still am. I remember Vesta Collide had their record out back in 2017, and it felt like such a throwback to this moment in time that I will always appreciate. Attack Attack is not there right now. Like, they don't have that style going for them anymore, and for good reason. I feel like if they had come back and just, you know, made um, Someday Came Suddenly Part 2 and 3 and subsequently whatever else, it would have felt very inauthentic and like a, a cash grab, but there's not really any cash to grab in Crapcore today, so I don't know why I said that. But regardless, my main point of this review for Dark Waves is that I think this EP is significantly, substantially massively better than long time no see i think like right from the tower truck which is the opener on the ep you get the sense that attack attack have figured out what modern metalcore needs from them right now and they can craft these really excellent choruses mixed in with heavy instrumentation that was so necessary for them coming off a of long time no see i think you get those big heavy moments on a song like killing for sport and then uh, paralyzed and out of time those courses are just so so fucking sick especially out of time i think out of time as of right now is my favorite attack attack song in their comeback tenure and it, it was just like so easy to get stuck in my head and so hard to get it out the last two weeks that course of out of time will just randomly 
uh, start playing in my mind and there's no way for me to shake it off and I don't want to either because I think Out of Time is very good. I'm actually going to go a step further with this song. I don't think it's just the best song from Attack Attack's tenure right now in this decade. I think it is like a top tier song in their entire discography no matter you know whether it's the crab course stuff metalcore like on this means war out of time is genuinely an upper echelon song for them i was ready to disregard this ep just because of how much i didn't like long time no see and then how attached to older attack attack i am but at the end of the day i cannot deny how amazing this ep actually turned out to be it, it took me by complete surprise and those are oftentimes the best projects the ones that you don't really expect a lot from and then they just hit you like a fucking truck dude like uh, this ep is great i love it well-intentioned the name of the game by resilia this is my first time talking about resilia on this show and for anyone who is unfamiliar with their material they lie within the uh, Swancore boundaries of the scene and i haven't really gone into Swancore that much lately i think aside from the uh the body thief album back at the start of the year so this ep was strangely refreshing to me um i, I think bad lemon is one of the most effective opening songs for any project that i'm talking about today because it's very short like slightly over one minute long and just in that short duration you are introduced to every facet of Resilia sound that you need to for the rest of the EP. Um, Anjur is the song that follows Battle Lemon, and it, it kind of acts as an expansion on the sound of that song while establishing Resilia as a band who knows exactly what it is that they're doing in Swancore, because I think every element from the vocal delivery on Cleans and Screams to the chaotic instrumentation, it all flows so perfectly well. It's catchy and effective and that's kind of all that i really need something in this area to be i think between that song amnesty silver and hey pretty girl time to wake up there are a lot of really exciting moments on the ep and then the song olive does slightly derail a little bit and i only say that because it's a slower song and i feel like not having it as a closer it disrupted the flow of well-intention to some extent. Not a great extent, but just one that was still noticeable to me, at least. But coming out of the EP, I really don't have many bad things, if any bad things at all, to say about it. I think Resilia did an outstanding job at putting well-intention together. And if you are somebody who is looking for something within like swan core and post-hardcore or math rock that like you want to be able to sink your teeth into, I think Resilia can give you that. Black Blood by Defamed. I initially didn't realize exactly how long the rollout for this EP has been because the four singles that were out for Black Blood, I did, I don't know if I talked about them extensively as singles, but they were at the very least mentioned. Um, the Dancer, Crystal Prison, The Servant, and Divinities. And a, a connective thread amongst all those singles and then subsequently the rest of the EP is that Defamed really, really might be one of the best deathcore bands out right now. If not, then at the very least within the specific sector of symphonic deathcore. Um, I think Divinities is stellar in its spot as the opener because it just throws the listener right into everything that Defamed wants you to understand about Black Blood and how fucking hard it hits. Like, for real, for real, guys. Like, this is some blistering-ass deathcore. It's heavy and epic-sounding and produces some of the cleanest breakdowns in deathcore that I've talked about so far this year. Um, I think beyond the clear prowess that Matia shows on vocals, a song like The Servant, which has a section featuring a guitar solo and a blast beat, 
it makes it clear just how immensely talented everyone in the band is. There's genuinely never a dull moment here, and if anything, I think that Black Blood acts as like a teaser of sorts for what can still be coming from Defamed, and I fucking want and need more of this from them, because like I said a bit ago, they might be one of the best in the world at crafting this specific sound for Symphonic Deathcore. Phase 1 by Compunction this was actually a long time coming from the rollout because the singles for phase one date back to 2020 with the song enemies although i admittedly wasn't familiar with compunction until last year off of the single smoke what i will say is that hearing smoke as a single in comparison to the ep version it sounds a lot more complete this time around and that level of production really helps not just a song like smoke flourish but also doubt because i did go back and listen to the single version of that song and the way that it sounds on phase one gives a real, like, star power feel to Compunction's style of rock music. I think that song mixes a laid-back verse style so fucking well with the explosive chorus that, to me at least, is the biggest shining moment on the EP. Um, the cadence of Alex's vocals is something that elevates everything happening, like on a song like Born Broken. It's hard to imagine this level of effectiveness being there with that specific, like, almost raspiness in his voice as he raises it. Um, I did mention Enemies earlier, and I do want to say that the incorporation of acoustic elements on that song does a great job at distinguishing it from the rest of the EP and giving it its own character of sort. What Phase 1 tells me is that Compunction know exactly when to be heavy and when to be heartfelt and both styles of moments come at the right time in every track i think phase one is as good of an introduction to compunction's material as anybody could have asked for and if you dive into this ep i i really feel like you're going to be able to take you know a, a good chunk of songs if not every song here as something to like champion and really get behind because the talent within this act is fucking monstrous. Rock Bottom by Savage Hands. I think this is the band's first project since the 2020 album The Truth In Your Eyes, which admittedly I do sometimes forget about, although the closing song on there, which is called Never Change, is actually one of my favorite songs from that year. Um, I think there is a certain like magic and charm about that track. And the good thing about Rock Bottom is I feel like those terms are also applicable at large to the material present here. Um, not necessarily in the same way as Never Change, but still in a way that pushes the sound of the band forward. I think the opening song Angel Dust has this slight hint of grunge to its delivery that is enough to entice both new and old listeners of the band because it does stand out from their previous endeavors. Um, Black Clouds has a fucking massive chorus that's so infectious and features what I believe is some of the best work by Mike Garrow on vocals. Um, I, I really enjoy how Halo builds its course through a pop-oriented style verse. And then the really clean production on Smile with the faint hints of the guitar melody supporting the chorus. I did say earlier that I thought The Truth In Your Eyes did end up being forgettable at times, but I don't foresee that being the case in terms of how I will view Rock Bottom in the long run. Because to me, this is Savage Hands operating at the highest level that they have thus far. I think every track here is great. It, it all delivers very, very effectively. And it's the kind of EP that if Savage Hands can build upon this foundation for their next full length, they 
might like honestly have a real case to being an upper echelon band in our scene. True Viridian by Skylar Accord. For anyone who might not know, Skylar is the basis for Issues and also a touring member of 21 Pilots, so there is a legitimate resume backing him and that itself made me interested in this EP. Although anyone who goes into True Viridian thinking that there will be any similarities or links between the work he's known for and this material is going to learn right from the opening song, Knew It All Along, that this is straightforward pop music with a lot of character and personality fused in. Um, the synthwave production that can be likened to pop from the 70s really makes everything flourish on not only that song, but the rest of the EP at large. Um, I think Made Of is brought to life by its baseline that is up there with everything else Skylar has done in that realm with his other projects. To me, the biggest takeaway from True Viridian is how accessible it is and how easy Skylar makes it for someone who may not necessarily be super tapped in with pop music to find comfort in the material here because to me, it's undeniable. Like, I don't think anyone would be able to listen to this EP and not find some elements of it that can stick with them. The production is excellent, Skylar sounds like a fucking beast all throughout it in everything that he does, and just combining all of these really cool elements together, it makes True Viridian successful and it makes it a standout EP so far this year, in my opinion. The Aggression Sessions by Varad is Murder, Fit for an Autopsy, and Malevolence. I think there's a great chance that by the end of the year, this will remain as one of the most interesting and fun releases in the entire scene, because the formula for its success was so simple. All that Viardis Murder, Fifer and Autopsy, and Malevolence had to do was bring to the Aggression Sessions what makes these three bands special in the first place. Um, I did talk about two of the singles previously, the ones for Viard and Autopsy. The Malevolence song that is original, Waste of Myself, is fucking brutal, and aligns itself really well with the other material from that band that smashes. Getting to the covers is the most fun portion of the EP because it shows further in my mind just how skilled all three bands really are. Um, Autopsy covered Under a Serpent by At The Gate and There It Is Murder covered Hammer Smash Face by Cannibal Corpse. Those two songs stay like pretty relatively true to the source material with the added characteristics that both bands can't help but utilize and that makes them, at least for myself, just as enjoyable as the originals. What Malevolence did here was super fucking interesting because they covered Left Outside Alone by Anastasia, which is a pop song from 2004. And the pacing to it is done with a lot of respect to the original song because they didn't just make like a, you know, their brand of this song. They didn't venture off and make it super heavy or technical. It's their take on a pop song for better or worse. And, and I think for better because it's super out there and to make that kind of a choice for themselves when Die Art and Autopsy covered songs from legendary bands within the death metal realm, it shows a lot of trust that Malevolence have within their own abilities, and I think it paid off. I think this entire project paid off for all three bands, and if this was, you know, somebody's introduction... Okay, so say, like, um, somebody's into uh, There Is Murder, but maybe not so much if you're in Autopsy or Malevolence, or into Autopsy, but not the other two, or you know what I mean. This was a great way to get you tapped into what these other bands can do because these are three bands that are kind of like waving the flag in a way for the heavier sectors of the scene and i think this is a fantastic ep to further the abilities and ideas and creative outlets for all of them so now i'm going to get to the albums for the last two weeks and the first one up is daydreamer by dead lakes i gassed up the singles roll out for this record pretty heavily in the past to the point where 
I had Stamina as the 26th best song of 2022 when it had only been out for like a week at the time of that decision and recording. But I've done all this praising because I truly do believe in Dead Lakes, and I have since the New Language EP that dropped back in 2020 near the start of the pandemic. Daydreamer doesn't have a lot in common necessarily with New Language because I think that EP has some hits of post-hardcore to its delivery, whereas Daydreamer is like, um, like vibe core or chill core laid back core whatever the fuck you want to say to describe just how soothing it is to hear this record the idea behind making an album that you can just drive to and get lost in really translates so well to the delivery of everything whether it be on the massive courses like from strange juice or onyx drive and they're able to be effective without being super in your face it's all just a big fucking vibe really um, I think my favorite stretch on the record comes with the interlude song Believer, which has great production on it, and that leads into Hold Back. And to me, Hold Back is the epitome of everything that Daydreamer sets out to achieve by giving the listener an experience that just puts you in a really calm state. Like, at times the last two weeks where maybe my head isn't doing so great, I can put on Hold Back, and it's like a sonic massage. I, I know that's a... Uh, a really really weird way to explain how a song sounds, but that's what Hold Back does to me. The same thing applies to Drown It Out, which is another major highlight, and then the record closes with the one-two punch of some of the more laid-back songs on here, Quicksand and Deceiver. Coming out of Daydreamer, I didn't just get everything I wanted from Dead Lakes, I got something that is, I believe, only going to like blossom and flourish throughout the rest of the year. Like, I do not see myself not feeling like listening to any bit of Daydreamer in any given week for the rest of the year, and then the years thereafter, for that matter. This record is amazing. Dead Lakes outdid themselves. They overachieved to a massive fucking extent on Daydreamer, and if for any reason you haven't heard this album yet, I don't know how to emphasize just how much of a vital and uh, necessary listen this album is you are genuinely missing out on something fucking perfect if you skip daydreamer the seventh son by barry tomorrow for full transparency because i don't think i've had many opportunities in the past to really talk about my feelings toward barry tomorrow um they have always been a band that i didn't necessarily understand the adulation for and i do think that's mainly a result of jason cameron's vocals I never thought he was a bad singer at all, and that's not even my point of what I'm trying to say. He is fucking excellent at what he set out to do on every record by Barry Tomorrow, but there was just something about his delivery that created this disconnect between myself and what the band would be doing. So now on The Seventh Son, Barry Tomorrow have a new vocalist in Tom Prendergast, and now I think everything that makes this band special is clicking with me because this is my favorite album from them. Um, opening with the title track was such a power move because that song makes the transition to Tom so seamless and the way that he comes in on the chorus makes his inclusion feel monumental for the band. Um, I think that no matter where you turn on the album, you get exactly what was metaphorically promised through the singles, which is a blistering metalcore style mixed with a huge emotional range whenever Tom picks up a microphone. Like on the chorus for Abandon Us, he works alongside with the guitar melodies to make that song a standout on the record. He can command whatever kind of a tone it is that he wants, like on Bolt Cutter, where there's a brief section where he has this 
um, sort of like a robotic effect over his voice. I think that for myself, the standout song here is Recovery, and there isn't necessarily anything super different about that song compared to the rest of The Seventh Son, but it just feels like the point of the album where the comfort zone is fully realized within this new incarnation of Barry Tomorrow. The Seventh Son, like I said, is my favorite Barry Tomorrow album yet, and yeah, that is largely, almost entirely due to how I look at Tom's delivery over Jason's. And again, all due respect to Jason, he is great at what he does. It's just that what he would do at Barry Tomorrow wasn't necessarily speaking to me. Whereas the material here with Tom, it does speak to me. It speaks to me fucking monstrously. And I think this album is just something that Barry Tomorrow fans should be really proud of. And especially the ones who were um, hesitant to accept the vocal change. And I would like to think that anybody who was apprehensive about that, their concerns were more than thoroughly addressed through how good The Seventh Son is. The self-titled album by Archetypes Collide. Coming out of the last two weeks of releases, I am of the belief that Archetypes Collide is the one with the most potential to maybe be lost in the shuffle as the year progresses. And that's not meant to be a slight against the band at all, but I think their brand of metalcore is something ubiquitous, and they don't exactly do a lot to make themselves separate from their contemporaries. Now, that being said, for what this album is and what it presents, I still think it's very good. I think Kyle Pastor has a really powerful voice that helps a lot of these choruses soar, like on Barasite and Counterfeit and Destiny. Um, that song specifically, Destiny, sounds to me like something that maybe could have been big on radio in a past time, because it just has that really thunderous alternative rock nature to it that fits with that environment. It's almost like Star Set-esque in some ways, at least in my mind. Um, there is one song that somewhat missed the mark that others directly hit, and that's What If I Fall. It's the ballad of the record, for lack of a better way of really phrasing that. And I just think it comes across as kind of formulaic for something in that world. Um, one highlight, though, that I do want to mention is a song that comes later in the runtime, Silence, which features Landon Torres from The Plot and You. And Landon's inclusion on that song really does help elevate the direction of what Silence is going for and how much it really does help the album. So while Archetypes Collide isn't exactly groundbreaking and it's not really a record that is going to have this lasting effect on me per se, I think if you want something that is just kind of easy to get through and does a really good job at just having like the the uh, the fundamentals of metalcore really down to a T, this is an album for you. Like I really do believe that. Again by the ongoing concept. So along with the album being called Again, every song here has the word again in it. So for example, there's Amends Again, Feel Again, Failure and Fakes Again. And it's a really quirky idea that I actually do fuck with a lot because to me, it does help in making this feel like a comprehensive work rather than songs being thrown together for an album, if that makes any sense. Um, there's not really one solid, concise way to describe the sound of the ongoing concept because what they do here is go into several different directions that on paper may have seemed antithetical to some of the bigger moments on the album. And what I mean by that is... Like, take a song, for example, like Amends Again. It can be almost funk and R&B inspired one second, and then literally the next, it's essentially hardcore. And that is a constant throughout all of Again, but the talent and abilities found within the ongoing concept made it to where everything feels synchronized. 
I think something that I've been able to notice in the times I've spent listening to again is that because of the chaotic nature of these songs, there are bound to be moments throughout pretty much all of them that can stick with the listener. Like on You Will Go Again. The verses are very pop-driven and allow the unique traits of this band to really shine through, whereas on a song like Saloon Again, it takes on a hardcore sound right from the opening seconds. Like, I, I guess my main point is that every song has an identity that is crafted for themselves, and that helps make, again, both special and memorable. And it's the kind of album that, when you hear this, you're not going to be able to forget it. You're not going to be able to forget the name again or the name, the ongoing concept. These songs stick with you and they're able to kind of like stay in your head. It, not necessarily in like the sense that they're catchy, but just in the sense that you might think to yourself like, what the fuck is this? Like, what am I listening to? And that effect for the ongoing concept is something that can really help propel them up the echelon, in my opinion. Again is a tremendous album, maybe not perfect in the grand scheme of things, but an album nonetheless that anybody who hears it will not be able to forget it. Catharsis by Covet. A few weeks ago, I went to Strawberry Girls Headliner that had support from bands like Tang and Standards. So coming out of that, I was honestly fiending for something to review within these boundaries. And not that Covet are necessarily within the same genre lines, but the general idea of a largely instrumental record that has a really soothing nature to it. That's what I was after, and that's subsequently what Kavet managed to give me through Catharsis. The opening song, uh, Coronal, does an excellent job at setting the atmosphere just right through some really beautiful moments on guitar that have been able to stick in my head. And that story carries over perfectly to Firebird, which is less raw sounding in some regard than Coronal, while still giving Covet this really sick spotlight that they earn through Catharsis. Um, my favorite song on the record as of now is Vanquish, and it's kind of hard to explain exactly what about the guitar work there is really notable to me without having a sort of virtuoso level understanding of music theory, but it's pretty much serotonin to me. And I want that message to relay to not only Vanquish, but all of Catharsis, because it is just so, um, I know I said like massaging earlier to describe Dead Lakes in some different ways, but also some similar ways. The same notion is applied to Covet and what they did on Catharsis. Like I can just put this record on and just close my eyes and have this like fantasy landscape presented to me and in that like utopian environment it's like nothing can go wrong nothing can bother me like Kevin made this shield for me per se and i want it to be a shield that can stick with me and metaphorically protect me for a really long time because catharsis is an excellent record past present future by astral i missed my last opportunity to really go in depth on astral because his record from last year uh, oral it released in March, but I didn't actually hear it until June. Although, I knew from that release that he was somebody who I wanted to feature on this show at some point, because there are some real intangible elements to the delivery and style of Astral that I think more people need to be made aware of. Um, Astral is the project of Trevor Hirada, and to me, it feels like he can kind of navigate any sound he wants to with this great level of effectiveness. Like on the opening song, Lost My Mind, you get this pop sensibility that is amplified by the 
tired and worn down effect that is given to Trevor's voice. And I do think that Faces, if I remember correctly, I talked about that song in detail a couple months ago on this show. And getting to rediscover it through Past, Present, Future was really cool since I think that's a special and catchy song. Something else that Australia has a real talent for is the ability to take something really emotionally gripping, like seeing things, and have it be as undeniable as it is. Like the cadence of Australia mixed with the lyrical matter of that song and also mixed with the simple piano melody is this formula for something that I think is fucking perfect and acts as a standout of this record. And it doesn't really matter what instrumental approach is taken here because there are songs that are built on acoustic guitars or pop beats or a piano like I just mentioned and it all works out for Estrell. Everything he tried his hand at on this record succeeded in my opinion. It's definitely different from what I normally cover on this show in terms of like that core scene sound. I don't even know if Estrell would necessarily be considered scene but regardless I do think that he should be considered a star with a lot of star power potential and capabilities because that is what was made most evident to me through my time hearing past present future real food at last by understand i really appreciate the variety that i get to explore for this episode because an album that is grounded in just straight up 90s hardcore punk music isn't something that i normally get to talk about but now i can because of understand what real food at last is able to do for someone such as myself who doesn't have an extensive knowledge grasp on understand is at least give me something that's enjoyable and fun all the way throughout and help me see the effect that this band had on the UK scene back then. I think the title track is a really effective opener by giving the listener something to get lost in and headbang to before bringing things around to a somewhat more alternative sound on Screwtop Milkshake while still retaining the raw aggression that the band displayed beforehand. Um, the production gives a lot of these songs the exact feel that they're meant to have because it sounds very... DIY and in-house in a really good way. Like, I can hear long driving contests and imagine a small room moshing and stage diving, which is exactly the kind of scenario that needed to be conveyed for the ultimate enjoyment of Real Food at Last. The one minor gripe that I had with the album was the closing song, Lightweight, um, because it's longer than anything else here at 6 minutes and 30 seconds. It sounds great still, but that extended runtime feels out of place for the direction that the rest of the record took even if the second half of that song sounds like someone had just left a studio session being recorded but regardless of that um this was fun like i really did enjoy my time getting to hear real food at last and like i mentioned earlier being able to have an understanding or at least like a a heightened understanding of who understand were and what they meant to uk hardcore the final album is Void Eternal by Nothing Nowhere. So in um, chronological order, this was the first record of this group that I actually reviewed two weeks ago, but I made sure to save it for last because I don't just think this is the best record I'm talking about this episode. This actually might be my favorite album of the year so far. Like that's like a, you know, peeling the curtain back type shit, but just to be really like transparent and honest with you guys, Void Eternal is perfect, and I am happy that's the case. Like, I really, really am, because two years ago when Trauma Factory released, and I saw so many people have this great level of excitement over it, I felt like I was missing out. I felt like I was the one being left behind, because I didn't necessarily have that 
extent of an attachment to it. I thought the album was good and it's at points great, but I didn't look at it as like a defining work of Nothing Nowhere. Whereas Void Eternal, it does fill that spot for me. And there's probably been some knowledge on my end that that was going to end up being the case because the entire rollout for this record, I was so taken aback in a great fucking way as to how well Nothing Nowhere took a sort of like 2000s post-hardcore style and crafted it to his own abilities and crafting that in a way that makes everything here feel memorable like none of it feels gimmicky none of it feels like you know uh nothing nowhere just like threw shit at the wall to see what what stuck everything worked out so well like i do remember misery syndrome being in the top 100 songs of 2022 series that i did in december and mixing how that song sounded with another single in cyanide it was super fucking clear to me that the inevitable nothing nowhere album would be a monumental one for myself. The biggest thing that stood out to me in the track listing was the all-star lineup of feature spots that are present here. So just to give uh, that list a rundown, there are spots here from Will Ramos from of Lorna Shore, Connie Scarboza of City Space Cowboy, Shane Told of Silverstein, Freddie Dredd, Pete Wentz of Fallout Boy, Ollie Appleyard of Static Dress, Buddy Nielsen of Census Fail, and Spencer Chamberlain and Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath. Like, be fucking for real. Just about every generation of post-hardcore that I grew up in and continue to grow up in has representation on this album. And for someone like myself who is a merchant for that genre, this shit means the world to me in ways that are beyond what I can actually articulate in words. I know Will almost doesn't come from post-hardcore, but just l let me cook, little bro. The song that Will is featured on, Tragedy is one of the biggest dubs for the scene so far this year because of how it's structured and the way that the chorus hits with that little guitar melody in the background that sticks the fucking landing dude and then will coming in for the bridge provides a giant breakdown that i i just cannot help but smile all throughout um psychotherapy which is the connie song takes on some new metal elements that tragedy didn't necessarily and that helps make it stand out in a really effective manner Similarly to Will, Connie comes in during the bridge and the level of aggression that she presents here is fucking huge. Fortune Teller, the Ollie Appleyard song, has a lot of life to it that doesn't necessarily come across as loudly as Tragedy and Psychotherapy, but it still represents a big part of what makes this album as cool as it is. And the fact that Ollie's screams come in during some of the more muted parts of the song gives him a spotlight that is so complimentary to his presence because I think Ollie has the potential to be one of the biggest frontmen in the scene. Venom, which is the song that features Spencer and Aaron from Underoath, is potentially my favorite song on the album right now. I feel like that changes sometimes in this three-way circle with that song, Anxiety and Tragedy. Um, I'll, I'll get to Anxiety shortly. But what I want to say about Venom is that the pacing of the first verse made it pretty obvious to me what was going to happen in the chorus but it still ran me the fuck over the first time i heard it it is beautiful and gut-wrenching all at the same time and it's the kind of song that i would have adored at ages 8 and 18 as much as i do now at 28 and then just because i mentioned anxiety i really have to add how i think that is one of the best opening songs on any album so far for this decade 
It is heavy and catchy and melodic, all while displaying all of Nothing Nowhere's intangibles in a way where if this song happens to be your introduction to him because it's the opener, you are gifted with every element that makes one of the scene's most exciting artists exactly that. I, I know I said a lot of words, but I, I feel like there still are not enough words for me to convey to you guys exactly what Void Eternal means to me and what I believe it is going to continue to mean to me. This album provides comfort in the dark. It is the light that I cannot let go of and I don't want to let go of. And any time where maybe, you know, my head is clouded and I can't really think properly or think straight or maybe the thoughts there aren't um, kind to my mental health, Void Eternal is going to be the saving grace in all of that. This album is just beyond tremendous. It is beyond generational. I think any sort of um you know praising word that i can find in my vernacular it's not enough to cover what void eternal means to me and that's it that was every well sort of every single an ep and um album from the last two weeks for me to get through this was very tiring and kind of a daunting task but i hope i uh pursued this type of an episode uh, efficiently and i hope it's something that you guys can enjoy i know it's very different from what i normally do but for uh, the circumstance this is kind of what i had to do for right now so again if you like this uh, type of episode please let me know that and i can potentially consider doing more like this where i uh, lay my voice over the song as opposed to playing one after the other but yeah that was all i'm tired so i'm gonna get out here now Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.